And welcome to Friday on the Puro Pelka podcast. Mike here, happy to be finally at a weekend, even though I'm working this weekend. Yes, I will be doing a radio show Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m., 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT out of Philadelphia. You can listen either via the station signal if you're in the area or the best place to get it crystal clear is on the Odyssey app. It's free, and you can uh, tune it in on your phone. It's WPHT on the Odyssey app, which is free. Uh, busy week that we just went through with all kinds of stuff happening. Some of it maddening, some of it uh, laughable. And we'll try and get to that. Plus, Lauren Fix, the car coach, is going to join us with some great information you know, she's got the four-minute Friday she puts out every week. But I, I have to get to what I think is the most embarrassing and hilarious revelation of this week. You know, we had uh, finally, finally, Tucker Carlson was allowed to air or got the clearance to air some of the video he got, 41,000 hours of video from the January 6th committee. Now, he got it from Kevin McCarthy. The January 6th committee didn't even have all 41,000 hours, apparently. But what we learned from uh, Tucker Carlson is that we were only being told a small fraction of the story, what happened on that day just over two years ago. And we're going to try and get Wendy Patrick on the horn here as well, our attorney friend, to ask if any of the people who've been convicted or signed plea agreements already could have their cases reopened or could petition to have their cases reopened because they didn't have all the evidence. They did not have access to what the government had. 41,000 hours is a whole lot of time. But with Tucker Carlson, we saw that the, the shaman, the guy who, who pled guilty and accepted a four-year jail sentence, almost four years, uh, he didn't have all the information. His attorneys didn't have all the information. And the video showed him being escorted around the Senate. And if you're a follower of this podcast two years ago, we wondered out loud, was there something we weren't being told because this guy walked into the Senate chamber with a couple of Capitol Police officers with him and nobody said, hey, you're trespassing. We're going to arrest you. No, in fact, the shaman used his bullhorn and held a little prayer moment there, thanking God for all the protection he received. Um, this is kind of embarrassing. There's so much that was exposed, including the attempt to make Senator Hawley look like a coward when they showed him running. And in fact, he was one of the last senators to be leaving the Senate. They were escorted out by the Capitol Police. So there's so much in the Tucker Carlson release. And for everybody who says, hey, we're not getting everything. Well, you're not going to get everything right away. And I don't think Fox squashed him after Chuck Schumer begged for the First Amendment to be stepped on. Chuck Schumer telling Rupert Murdoch, you must stop Tucker Carlson. No, the, the truth of these tapes is in the airing of these tapes. Just show it. Let it happen. What's wrong, Chuck? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of us finding out? Oh, you're afraid of us finding out that the January 6th committee, the Soviet show trial that has now been discredited. 
you're afraid that more of that's going to come out? And now we hear that the chairman, Benny Thompson, says, well, he didn't have access to all that footage. He did, but he's complaining that his staff were the ones who really had the access, which makes me even wonder, what were you guys doing? Were you just reading from a preordained script that was handed to you? That's kind of what it feels like. That's kind of what we knew as well. So the January 6th committee, ugh, they've been discredited even further. And uh, I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. But we did have some committee uh, meetings this week, some, some hearings in Congress that were of consequence. Uh, the one that brought in some of the journalists involved in the Twitter files is the, the latest one, the most recent one. And there were so many irritating moments that there's almost not enough time. I've got, I think I've got 41,000 hours of irritating moments from just yesterday. I exaggerate to clarify, of course. That's hyperbole, your SAT word of the day. Uh, Debbie What's-Her-Name Schultz from Florida, Congresswoman Schultz, who uh, herself has been disgraced uh, back when Hillary Clinton was running for uh, president. Uh, Wasserman Schultz was caught up in a scandal that forced her to step aside from the Clinton campaign. She still got a, a big gig, but she was trying to rig it for Hillary and she got caught. But she's now stepping up and she's very annoyed that Matt, Taibbi, Matt Taibbi refused to say whether or not he was making any money off of uh, his assignment on the Twitter files. Imagine, just imagine being married to this, I'm, I'm going to use the word shrew. There's no other word I can use that I can say without getting people calling saying, that's rude. Uh, maybe shrew is rude too, but listen. Rogan, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Good. Now, you crossed that line with the Twitter files. No. Elon Musk, it's my time. Please do not interrupt me. Right there, just her stopping him. When, when he denies that he crossed a line with the Twitter files, a line of, I guess, journalistic integrity. Let's see more irritation on display. Alaskan, Elon Musk spoon-fed spoon you his cherry-picked information, which you must have suspected promotes a slanted viewpoint or at the very least generates another right-wing conspiracy theory. That whole line is riddled with opinion. And it's just, well, it's embarrassing. Especially when you consider that Taibbi is a Democrat, voted for Joe Biden. The guy is a product of the liberal Northeast machine. But he's a journalist, so he knows the truth is important. Let's get back to Debbie. What's her name, Schultz? You violated your own standard and you appear to have benefited from it. Now, she's pointing her finger at him as she's saying this. You, violate. The only thing she left out was little mister. And Taibbi is laughing. All of these people are laughing at these, these partisans here. It's wonderful to watch. Before the release of, emails in, of the emails in August of last year, you had 661,000 Twitter followers. After the Twitter files, your followers doubled. And now it's three times what it was last August. I imagine your Substack readership, which is a subscription, increased significantly because of the work that you did for Elon Musk. Now, I'm not asking you to put a dollar figure on it, but it's quite obvious that you've profited from the Twitter files. 
you hit the jackpot on that Vegas slot machine to which you referred. Now, this is funny because you get more followers on Twitter. You don't necessarily make money off of that. You might get more people coming to your Substack, which is a subscription service. But uh, I, I don't think this lady quite understands capitalism and the free market society. If people hear about you and want to know more about you, they can freely go to Twitter. They can freely go to Substack. That, to me, indicates there's an increased interest in, in what Matt Taibbi is putting out there as his work product as a journalist. But then it gets contentious. That's true, isn't it? I've also reinvested. You've made a some. No, 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 no. Is it true? The no, 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 no. You will not. You will not. You will not move away from whether or not you will give me a yes or no answer. You're not allowed to give me any background. Never mind that I've just given you a minute of a very partisan setup to my question. No, 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 no. She has kids too, so imagine what they hear. You know. Yeah, let's go back and hear that again. That's true, isn't it? I've also reinvested. You've made a some. No, 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 no. Is it no. true that you have profited since you were receipt? You were this recipient of the Twitter files. You've made money. Yes or no? I Very think it's probably question. a wash, honestly. No, you've you you have made money that you did not have before. Correct. She does not understand that to make money, you spend money. So Taibbi had to employ people to help him go through the Twitter files, the massive load of information. Because she has been where she currently works for years, she has no idea of how the real world works. When you're in a business, in order to increase your business, sometimes you have to buy more equipment, you have to hire more people. These entitleistas we have in office are just not connected to reality. But I've also spent money that I didn't have okay. before. I just hired a I, whole I, group of people I, to Patently obvious answer, reclaiming my time. Attention is a powerful drug. Eyeballs, money, prominence, attention. All of it points to problems with accuracy and credibility. And the larger point, which is social media companies are not biased against conservatives. And if anything, they ignore... No, Rogan. that's where she's wrong. That is absolutely where she's wrong. But, you know, you listen to Debbie, what's her name, Schultz, saying all of those things at the end, and you realize she's talking about herself. Attention. Attention is a powerful drug, isn't it? Yeah. And then there's the uh, case of the ranking member on this committee. The ranking member means you're in the minority party, but you're the leader of that uh, party's delegation, the members on that committee. And so you will be given a priority position when asking questions. The ranking member on this committee is not a prominent member of the Democrat Party. In fact, the lady who was in the prominent position as ranking member, Miss Plaskett, Stacy Plaskett, is a non-voting delegate to the House. She, she really has no power. She's from the Virgin Islands. Why did they put her here? Why is she there? Well, you might say it's because she checks a couple of boxes. She's a person of color and uh, she is a female. At least she's currently identifying as a female. And she was uh, referring 
to Matt Taibbi and uh, Michael Schellenberger, two of the guys who were there, as so-called journalists. She insulted them in her opening statement. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. We know for a fact that foreign countries like Qatar, Saudi Arabia. I'm going to stop her right there. When she said so-called journalists, the camera cut back to catch Taibbi and Schellenberger looking at each other and laughing. Because they're journalists. These are serious journalists. These are people who have written books and won awards. And they are also out of the, the left side of the journalism machine. It's uh, amazing to, to me that Stacy Plaskett, delegate, not even representative, delegate Plaskett would uh, try and cast some aspersions on Elon Musk and how he made his money. If you're truly part of the government, even as a delegate, a non-voting delegate, uh, you should know that Elon Musk has made his money by doing space travel in an efficient and profitable manner. And then there are those cars he's been making for decades now, the electric cars, which all of you lefties used to love until he bought Twitter and tried to put it on an even playing field. Astounding. Absolutely astounding. Stacy Plaskett. Uh, uh, is she a quota hire? I don't know if that's a fair assessment. She also tried to coerce the two journalists in front of her into revealing their sources, even though they said they weren't going to do it. She just kept going back to the well. Who gave you access to these emails? Um, Who was the individual that uh, gave you permission to access the emails? Well, the attribution for my story is sources at Twitter, and that's what I'm going to refer to. Okay. Uh, Did Mr. Musk contact you, Mr. Taibbi? Again, the attribution for my story is sources at Twitter. Mr. Schellenberger, did Mr. Musk contact you? Uh, Actually... No, I was brought in by my friend Barry Weiss, and so this story, there's been a lot of misinformation. So Mr. Weiss brought you in. Mr. Taibbi, Ms. Now, now, Plaskett didn't initially realize that Barry Weiss is a woman. Barry Weiss is another famous journalist from the left who was also part of the crew that Elon Musk selected to wade through all the Twitter files. He brought in lefties because he thought it would be better to be seen as more balanced, more fair, if you will. But Plaskett doesn't even know who Barry Weiss is, apparently. Somebody corrected her and said she, you know, you just misgendered somebody. In a few of those blue-run states, that would be a, a punishable crime. You could be locked up for that. But let's see where she goes with her trying to uh, coerce journalists to reveal their sources, which they've already said they're not going to do. And they're they're actually laughing at her on the video. Weiss, thank you. Mr. Taibbi, have you had conversations with Elon Musk? I have. Okay. Uh, Mr. Taibbi, did Mr. Musk place any conditions on the would use the gen- of the Would email? the gentlelady yield for a second? Uh, as long as my time is not used. Are you, are you trying to get journalists to No, I'm not trying to get sources? No, I'm not. Well, I am asking. Like no, well. Yeah, Jim Jordan, who is the chairman of the committee, Stepping in and trying to shut this this insanity down. 
which it should have been shut down the minute she started asking questions about a journalist's source, and he said, I'm not going to reveal my source. That is kind of that old pesky First Amendment thing, which is still protected, I believe. I believe it is. I, I, I better check, you know, at any given moment that could change because Democrats are everywhere. It was amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me this happened yesterday. Happened on Thursday, and there may be more fireworks today. We will see. We will We will see. We'll follow this through. I'm glad these, these hearings are happening. We also had uh, another hearing where uh, Cori Bush, who is just a distasteful person, she sees race everywhere she looks. Cori Bush is now saying that high gas prices have a disproportionate effect on black, brown, and low-income communities and families. Well, low income can affect any color, last time I checked. And she wants more public investment to lower our energy demand. What does that mean? She also talks about climate justice here. Climate justice. These people are just making stuff up. So you described that the price increases had a disproportionate effect on black, brown, and low income communities, uh, families. How did the administration's actions and the ensuring the ensuing uh, drop in gas prices, how did it help those same families? If you're that stupid that you have to ask, gee, when gas prices went down, how did that help people? You're a moron. You're an absolute moron, lady. And you don't deserve the job you have. She also hired a guy who swears that he's some kind of a god who can also, he can summon tornadoes. I'm not kidding. I wish I wish I were. I absolutely wish I were. But, you know, these are who the people of those districts have elected. Uh, back to the, um, the testimony of the journalists. And we have Representative Sylvia Garcia, a Democrat. And she is, um, she is also referencing Mr. Tybee and uh, Barry Weiss, and she doesn't understand this. And she puts her foot in her mouth. I'll, I'll, again, I'll move on. And I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Schellenberger the same question, sir. When did you first uh, visit with or get contacted by Mr. Musk? I'm not going to reveal my sources, but like I said, I was invited by Barry Weiss. And I'm not was, asking for sources, sir. I'm just asking yeah, for chronology. Was, when did you first make contact with Mr. Musk? I don't know the exact date. Was it? It was December. It was December. December of, well, there's a lot of Decembers in December history, of last which, year. Which December? December of last year, ma'am. Last year, the 2022? Uh, yes. All right. Now, in, um, in your discussion, in your answer, you also said that you were invited by a friend, Barry Weiss? My friend, Barry Weiss. So this friend works for Twitter, or what is, what is her... Um... She's a journalist. Sir, I didn't ask you a question. I'm, I'm now asking Mr. Schellenberger a question. Please. So Matt Taibbi had to step up here because this woman who represents people in the state of Texas, she's out of a, a district in Houston, has no idea who Barry Weiss is. Barry Weiss is one of the better-known journalists in the, in the Northeast, and especially around Washington, D.C., and especially around the topic of the Twitter files. You don't know who Barry Weiss is? It gets dumber and weirder immediately. 
Ma'am, Barry Weiss is a journalist. I'm sorry, sir? She's a journalist. She's a journalist. So you work in concert with her? Um, yeah. Do you know when she first uh, was contacted by Mr. Musk? I, I don't know. You don't know. So you're in this as a threesome? They're laughing at her. So you're in this as a threesome? These people are dangerous because they have so much power. They write our laws. They absolutely are a threat to our republic. They like to say they're a threat to our democracy or we're a threat to democracy. They're the ones who are the threat. Truly a threat. Stupidity is a disease that really doesn't have a cure, especially when it's in adults. At least with kids, you can try and educate them. But with adults, there's no hope. You cannot teach an old dog new tricks. And that old dog is certainly not going to be able to learn a new trick. The other big story yesterday was Joe Biden's budget. Joe Biden finally released a budget. And I've been screaming about this for a while. I think one of the more egregious things that happened yesterday was Joe Biden deciding to release his budget in an event in Philadelphia. Let's go back to the 2020 campaign when Joe Biden campaigned from his basement, rarely left it, did everything via Zoom and said, oh, it's fine. We can do it. It's uh, the technology is there. But the guy who bills himself as the green president, the guy who's going to fix the climate, fix the weather by eliminating carbon emissions everywhere, that guy Thursday Walked out of the White House. Now, he hadn't left the White House since Monday. We hadn't really seen him since Monday. But Joey Biden left the White House, walked out across the South Lawn to get on a helicopter, Marine One. He travels by helicopter to Joint Base Andrews, where Air Force One awaits. A huge plane. So he takes a big helicopter And he flies then to uh, the Air Force Base, Joint Base Andrews. And then he gets on Air Force One. And he flies the short trip to Philadelphia. By the time he's up at cruising altitude, it's time to come right back down. So it's up, down. It's a very short flight. And then he delivers his uh, budget announcement and comes back. So the carbon footprint for uh, yesterday for the president might have been an Olympic record in terms of how much carbon he put out. And all of this could have been done via Zoom, could have been done from the White House. But no, they had to do a union event in Philadelphia. And uh, this is all a staged campaign event to, to get video, obviously, for the 2024 Campaign he hasn't announced yet, but uh, he's going to. Trust me, he's going to. I, I think he is. Maybe if he looks at some of the things he said yesterday, or his handlers do, they'll think twice about it. Yesterday, it sounded like Joe Biden was talking about uh, Donald Trump going to be president again. This is unedited. You may remember, I was running for office at the time, but you all may remember it, that I had a big fight with uh, the former president uh, and maybe future president. What? (laughs) What? Let's go back and listen to that again. There's a little bit of mumbling, too, in there that's confusing as well. 
Go ahead, Joey. You may remember I was running for office at the time, but you all may remember it, that the, I had a big fight with uh, the former president. Trump. Uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, Father. Anyway, no, all, 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 all kidding aside. What are you kidding about? Really? What are you, why all kidding aside? And he made the sign of the cross, this, this alleged uh, devout Catholic who's pro-abortion, pro the killing of babies inside their mother's wombs. Uh, it, it just, it's so much contradiction there. Uh, but Joe wanders again a little bit more. He's off teleprompter, too. And here's the deal. Yeah? What happened was, uh-huh. the folks were really going after me for trying to, and by the way, 90% of all the debt forgiveness. He has no idea where he is or what he's saying. It's very confusing. And then uh, they must have tested this because Joe Biden keeps going back to this phrase, MAGA Republicans. He likes talking about the MAGA Republicans. Who are these MAGA Republicans? Are they the, the members of the GOP who still support Donald Trump? But he made a really ridiculous statement yesterday about this group he calls MAGA Republicans. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police departments. What? What? Wait, wait, wait a second. One more time, Joey. MAGA Republicans are calling for defunding the police departments. Um, I wish you would say not a joke. No, he won't say that because uh, he, he's, uh, well, he's crazy. His brain is not working correctly. And in terms of who's calling for defunding of the police departments, there is an amazing montage of Democrats talking about defunding the police. Here, just listen to a little bit of this. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Funding isn't necessarily as aggressive as, as a lot of folks paint it. Paint it. You know, school budgets get cut almost every year. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So in 40 seconds, in 40 seconds, there's another eight minutes of this, of Democrats saying that they want to defund the police department. But Joe Biden's out there telling everybody it's those damn MAGA Republicans, those crazy MAGA Republicans. They're the ones who want to defund the police. It's a pivot now. You see, we're in campaign season. Joe Biden hasn't announced yet. Donald Trump has. So it's on. The campaign season is on. There's several other Republicans are going to announce and uh, probably several other Democrats as well. So this is now the pivot from the far left to the middle. Joe Biden's going to try and come back and reclaim the middle. I don't know if it's going to work. He's trying to, trying to take credit for things that didn't happen yesterday during the uh, announcement of his budget, which we'll talk about too. Biden said um, something that's a flat-out lie. He said this. That's why I took the most aggressive action ever 
in all of history in any country to take on the climate crisis by lowering your home energy bills. Wait a minute. You're taking on the climate crisis by lowering home energy bills. Just a quick check from last year to this year. Electricity is up 11.9%. That's almost 12. Fuel oil is up 27.7%. Natural gas. It must be natural gas where he made all these savings, right? Because we're always told as kids, gas does the big jobs better for less. Natural gas. That must be where we have all the savings. No, no, no. Natural gas is up 26.7%. So when Joe Biden says this, he's lying. That's why I took the most aggressive action ever in all of history in any country to take on the climate crisis by lowering your home energy bills. No, that's not happening. That's a lie. That's a lie. And another lie, Joey thinks he can tell us a uh, big whopper about inflation. Inflation is 6.4%. Now, last summer, it was up to 9%, 9.1%. Record setting for decades. Has it gone down a little bit? Yep. But Joe wants to think that's a win. He wants to take it as a win. And that would bring us to down to everyday cost. How much do things cost? Not just whether inflation. We brought down inflation seven months in a row. We're going to whip it. But We're going to whip it good. Yeah. Whipping inflation. Inflation was 1.4% when Joe Biden took office. Today, 6.4%. And I still think they're getting hinky with some of the numbers. They're having fun with the numbers. Hmm. And then Joe gave us the numbers, his budget, which will which will put so much debt on top of Americans that in 10 years, we're going to be fifty one trillion dollars in debt, fifty one trillion dollars in debt. And when you look at Joe's budget, which nobody's had the chance to read the whole thing yet. The number of mentions for certain topics in the budget tells you everything you need to know. For example, the word climate is mentioned 148 times, equity 63 times, environmental justice 25 times, transgender 8 times, intersex 7 times, inflation 10 times, border security 8 times, police 4 times, parents 3 times, gas prices 3 times, and fentanyl, which is killing tens of thousands of mostly young people, got two mentions in the budget. You know who noticed? You know who did the counting? Ted Cruz did the counting. Ted Cruz was on with uh, Sean Hannity on Thursday night talking about Biden's budget and what it's going to do. First of all, uh, we should all know that Biden's budget is dead in the water. Not according to uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn. And I think she's correct. The House isn't going to let this go. But Ted Cruz talked about Biden's budget. Uh, last night, talking about all those words that were mentioned. Very important to take note of it. This is Bernie Sanders's budget. This is AOC. This is Elizabeth Warren. And, and, and let me show you just some amazing stats, um, just on a quick review uh, of, of the budget. All right, here's how many times the following words appear in the budget. Equity, 63 times. Mm. Climate, 148 times. 
environmental justice 25 times, transgender 8 times, intersex, which I have no idea what that is, 7 times. Yeah, all those words are in there. But the, the words that barely show up are the words that are the topics that you and I are most interested in. Most interested in. Ted Cruz continued his review. So things the American people care about. Inflation, only 10 times. Fentanyl, twice. Border security, eight times. Police, four times. Law enforcement, nine times. Crime, 24 times. And gas prices, three times. Yeah. The priorities of your home are not the priorities of this administration. This administration's priorities are getting more control over you. And they're trying to do it in many different ways. It's frightening. We'll talk about it some more. We will talk about it some more. There are a few other stories that irritate me, and uh, I have to make sure we leave time for Lauren Fix, the car coach, because she's got some great stuff she has to talk about. I have to laugh one more time because do you remember? Do you remember the story from 2021, January of 2021? When Kamala Harris was uh, out there lying to everybody, saying that uh, when she was uh, when she was a, a little child and and uh, she was she was an upset child and her mother was pushing her at a rally in a baby a baby carriage or some kind of stroller and uh, she was crying and fussing her and mother said what is it what do you want and she said freedom I looked up and I said freedom and a lot of us said that story didn't happen. Because it didn't happen. And right after that story was given to us, somebody said, I remember, I remember Dr. Martin Luther King talking about a march in Birmingham, Alabama back in 1965. Dr. King was interviewed by the great writer Alex Haley for an issue of Playboy. And King described a moment he would never forget. From that interview, Dr. King told Alex Haley, quote, a little Negro girl, seven or eight years old, was walking in a demonstration with her mother. Sound familiar? Huh. King continued, what do you want? The policeman asked her gruffly, and the little girl looked him straight in the eyes and said, freedom. She couldn't even pronounce it, but she knew it. It was beautiful. Now, Kamala changed it to freedom. It's Bravo Sierra. It's not true. So earlier this week, when we heard Kamala telling a story, I thought, well, that can't be true either. She was trying to come up with another fictitious anecdote and claim it as her own history, which it's not. In fact, I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's, why are conservatives bad, mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. (laughs) I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. (laughs) Nobody thinks it's as funny as she does. Freedom. That didn't happen. And this didn't happen. It's complete Bravo Sierra. She thinks she's going to have a shot at the presidency. I I really believe she does because she can't believe that Joe is going to actually run. She can't think that's going to happen. I'm actually concerned or or worried that Hillary Clinton's going to come crawling out of her um, hidey hole 
and make another run. I do think it's a possibility. I think Hillary Clinton thinks that the weakness of Joe Biden will give her an opportunity that she missed in 2016. And she would love to get another shot at uh, Donald Trump if he, in fact, is the uh, candidate. She's certainly been making herself very available of late. She went to Dubai with MSNBC where they gave her uh, just an open platform and threw softballs at her for a couple of days in interviews. Do not be surprised to see a revival of the presidential dreams of Hillary Clinton, which I think would be an absolute nightmare for America. A terrible thing for this country. But she's not going to give up. She's not. We, uh, we talked about some of the testimony regarding what happened at the Wuhan virology lab that Dr. Fauci was funding. And I, I believe Dr. Fauci really committed several crimes here. And until he is charged with a crime, I, I lose faith in the process because somebody has to be responsible. I still think China needs to be responsible because they're the ones who engineered the virus. They're the ones who leaked it. I think they actually did a test leak in September of 2019 when they had all those uh, all those troops from around the world competing in the Wuhan Games. And then suddenly in Kirkland, Washington, you had the outbreak here, which wiped out a nursing home. And by then, the uh, virus was everywhere in the world. I think China's at fault, but Fauci was the guy who wrote the checks to let him do it. So will he testify? Will he testify in front of Jim Jordan's committee? Neil Cavuto asked him about it on Thursday. Well, if, if, if Congress and Jordan wants you to testify before his committee, would you? Of course I would, Neil. I told you that before. I'd be more than happy to testify before the committee. Okay, let me ask you a little bit. To- I don't think he'd be happy. And I don't think he'd give us any answers. So let's get that moving. Let's get that going. Let's bring him in. Get him in here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Absolutely necessary. All right. I am, uh, I'm going to put a pause on some of the political chit-chat. Uh, let's get Lauren Fix, the car coach, in here. She's got some really interesting and important information out of the automotive world. That's next on the Piro Pelka podcast. My friend Lauren Fix, the car coach, is joining us, and that always makes me smile because I love talking about cars and the automotive world, and nobody knows more about that in my world than Lauren Fix, the car coach. And uh, she's joining us today on what I am calling, Lauren, the we told you so episode <laughs> yes sometimes i'm pretty good at reading the crystal ball yeah you Not are so i wish i could do it in the stock market but it doesn't work <laughs> yeah we never get that right uh yeah. but uh, for weeks now we've been worried about what's going on with um, the car manufacturers and some of the nefarious technology that is invading our cars and last week, there was a, a, a shocking story that came out saying Ford was going to be able to turn off your air conditioning, maybe even turn off your car if you don't make your car payments. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we ranted about this and, and you said, hey, all of this control is in the, in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act bill or whatever the heck it was called. 
and uh, it's coming in just a matter of years. And I guess you have breaking news on this. Yes, I, I can. I'm pretty good at reading the crystal ball in the auto industry because that's my specialty, automotive and energy. And I will tell you, when Ford said they were seriously going to start repossessing people's cars without someone coming to your door and knocking and saying, hey, I'm coming to get your car. Well, we win. Yes, you and I all win because we pushed back, put out tons of content on Ford repossessing cars through their autonomous system, through their self-driving, locking you out of your car. So you can't go to work. So you can't take, I mean, just, just think of the liability and ramifications on that. You know, you got to take your wife to the hospital. She's ready to deliver your, your kid hurts themselves. You got to run to the hospital. Oh, sorry. Can't get in your car. It's locked out. You didn't make your payment. You're a month late. Well, Ford heard you and they said, they're not going to do it. They said, yeah, they this, we, we rethought this and uh, we're not going to use this process. Good idea guess what? We win. Yeah, that, that is a good thing. But I also make note that the technology exists. It's there. Oh, yeah. It's in the cars. It's in the computers. So if Ford senses, With every brand. With every brand. <laughs> don't really? let anyone think, oh, I've, I've got a key or I've got a GM. Uh-uh, it's already there. Yeah, so the monitoring of, of drivers and what's going on in your car is still there. We talked about the fact that there were uh, several cars that monitor your eyes and Mm -hmm. whether or not you're impaired or sleepy or any number of things and they also listen to you Mm -hmm. and they would have the ability to slow your car down if they thought you were driving impaired that that's all still in there right it absolutely is and i will tell you that part of what you get currently is it is watching your eyes it is noticing your reactions But one thing they're adding in, and this is that infrastructure plan that passed in November of 2021 that they had to jam through, which nobody read the 2000 page one. Like, oh, oh, we'll just we'll let you know what's in it after we pass it. I think we heard that once before, and it was also a disaster. Um, This has in it that there's a kill switch, and that doesn't mean slowing you down. What gives you uh, a visual warning, an audible warning, and then it pulls over, puts on its four ways, and shuts you off. Now, here's the thing. I already experienced that in an infinity, oh, about three years ago when they were doing uh, self-driving. It was like a self-driving mode. It really, there's no such thing, but it was like a lane centering. Like if you had to grab a cup of coffee, the vehicle would stay within the lane and continue at, at the cruise control speed you set it at. But if you're not paying attention, it already, that, that I've seen that technology exist. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, it puts on your four ways and it shuts the car off. Could you imagine that in traffic? Or you're on the side of the road, or again, there's an emergency situation. You're trying to escape, I don't know, a fire, whatever. I don't know, a million scenarios you can come up with. You can't escape. And from a safety standpoint, for you in the car, I'm concerned. And I've been talking about this since the stupid infrastructure bill was passed, which there hasn't been any infrastructure done. It seems like it's just another money laundering scheme to me. But um, this is very much an issue and you have to push back because the writing is so vague it's at section 24 220 on the infrastructure bill if you want to look it up 24 220 go read it and it's written vague enough they can pretty much do whatever they want yeah go pay attention people we're watching and and we'll tell you when to raise your uh, voice on this and speaking of raising your voice uh, lauren let's pivot over to something else that we were right about And uh, I I was a little late to the dance, I'll admit, as a recovering electric vehicle owner. 
it took me a while to catch up to all the knowledge you have. But the the push towards electric vehicles appears to be slowing down. Yes. Uh, you know, auto executives are less confident in EV adoption. Really? Really? As they all agree, we're going to go 100% EV. Well, I've, I was just at a big event this past weekend, and I spoke with some auto executives off the record, so I will not mention any names for their courtesy of talking to me. Um, and what, all of them agree that, you know, we do not have the infrastructure to support even 20% of the cars across the country going electric. And we're only at like 6%. The highest percentage right now is California at 18, and they're struggling as it is, and they, even California... People are saying, you know, people that are part of the government and the auto industry are saying if they go to 20, we're going to have rolling blackouts, not brownouts, blackouts where you won't be able to charge your car. That means public infrastructure as well as private. So this is a problem. So manufacturers are starting to wake up to this. Duh. Like we haven't been talking about this since it first came out uh, three, four years ago. But what's interesting is we're noticing that some manufacturers are very smart. And, and I talked to someone who I won't tell you who it is, someone who's really high up uh, over the weekend who said, we're not stupid, even though maybe people that are like CEOs and like, the people that are on the board of directors think they're smarter. They are not manufacturing, designing cars that can only be for electric chassis. The smart companies, and I know four off the top of my head that I've spoken with, said, we are going to set the chassis up so that if this goes upside down, we can do hybrids. We can go back to gas and still have cool cars. There are four or five, on the other hand, who are dumb enough to say, we're all in. Our chassis are all electric. You got to figure out who they are. We're not, we're not ever going back. Foolish move. Those companies may not be in business or substantially smaller market share down the road. I don't know what the heck somebody at the top is thinking, but it's not good. Well, at least it's encouraging that there are four big companies who are saying, we're not going to go all in on EVs. I remember um, a few years ago when you and I went to the press preview of the International Auto Show in New York City, I was talking to the Porsche people because self-driving cars were all the thing. Autonomous cars were all the thing. And I said, you know, Porsche's a driving car. Are you guys ever going to have a self-driving car? And the guy looked at me and he laughed. He goes, never. And that's all I'm going to say. It's never going to happen. Right. So I wonder where Porsche is, and now, you know, they've got a relationship with Volkswagen, et cetera. Well, they're partners, and Audi. yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, are they going to be I, – I, I hope they don't jump all in on the EVs. They're not. As a matter of fact, that's why – and I, we've discussed this in the past – that e-fuel, synthetic gasoline, is already being produced in four countries, in Chile, in uh, Australia, here in the U.S., and also in Germany. And they are testing it as we speak – at their test tracks uh, in race cars. And by next year, their Porsche series is going to be running full synthetic gasoline. What comes out the tailpipe is substantially less than gasoline. And the best part is there's no fossil fuels. It's totally manufactured. Right now, it's expensive. I'm not saying crazy expensive. It's not twice as much as a regular gallon of gas. But the more they produce, obviously, the, the cost is going to go down. But they're, they're building it like crazy. Um, this is because Porsche believes that it, they are a driver's car. Anyone that's got an old 911, and they do support the historical uh, side of it, the Ren Sport side, they call it. That is the racing side. And I was just at a Ren Sport reunion in Amelia Island this past weekend. Um, it, it was part of the Amelia, which I highly recommend if you're a car enthusiast. The, the level of cars there will blow you away in the auctions. and It's a wonderful event. 
Uh, it's run by Haggerty. But um, there's also one on the West Coast, all backed by Porsche. There is no way they're going to screw their own base just to go electric. They will offer electric. They do, the Taycan. And they also still offer hybrids, and they will in, like, the Cayenne and the Macan. But they'll never get make the 911 that way because it just doesn't – it's not designed for it. Just and so, the new 911 is just power, 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 you know? Well, that's great. And just so everybody knows, Lauren and I have talked about this in the past. The uh, the Porsche-developed e-fuel can go into any internal combustion engine without any need for filtering or any kind of adjustment. You just – you put yeah. it in like you put gasoline in. Start the ignition and go. And yes. it's, it's a super clean fuel. And the way I know it's going to be a hit is that the Saudis are investing in it. And if the yes. Saudis are putting money in it, they think it's going to be the future and they want to be uh, partners with it. It's a smart. Uh, it's the smartest move, really. Think about it. This electric thing is ridiculous. They're saying right now that most people, 75% of people, are not considering an all-electric vehicle because they see the problems from you know being in an accident in one and the concern that goes with that to having to put in a charging station. If it's not done by a certified electrician, it can void your, your homeowner's insurance. I mean, there's a, a, a limited range, the lack of infrastructure here. What, what are we doing? You know what I mean? And people say, oh, if we lose our power, you can't get gasoline. Oh, yes, I can. I can siphon gasoline from one vehicle to another if you have to. You can get it from pumps, you know, with a generator. With electricity, I'm not going to sit there in the middle of a hurricane coming for four hours to get enough charge to run away. That's absurd. Yeah. Or if you're in a fire in California, you just don't have the, the time. You, you need quick. You need to escape. You can't do that if you can't. You're right. Uh, Lauren Fix is the car coach. She's with us all the time. You should follow her on social media. She's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And every Friday, Lauren puts out the 4-Minute Friday on her YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports, which you should go to briefly, Lauren. What's on the uh, Car Coach Reports 4-Minute Friday this week? We're putting out two news segments now per week because we're getting such push, such pull and pushback. Pushback from people that don't want to hear what I have to say because they're trying to suppress me on YouTube. But that doesn't stop me. I'm on every social media. Uh, we are talking about auto executives are less confident in EV adoption and who they are and why. Uh, there's a study that might just surprise you before you jump into that EV bandwagon. We are also uh, putting out information on cars are too expensive and what dealers are doing about this and the problems they're having with interest rates, inflation, recession. And this is a problem. And I will tell you something that's not even in the report that I just found out last night, that Chevy stopped producing their trucks. Why? Right now they're on stop. And the reason is not because they can't get parts. It's because they're not selling them. The demand has dropped off because people can't afford them with the cost of everything going up. And they want to raise our taxes. It means you can't afford a new car. And that's why you find the Car Coach 4-Minute Friday on the uh, Car Coach Reports YouTube channel every single week. Lauren Fix, thank you, my friend. Thank you. 